I'm pro product-led growth. I think it's a good general shift in, in how we think about producing products and how the product, the product, not the product management, leads the organization. You're listening to GTM Disrupted with Mike Smart of Egress Solutions. Learn how product management and product marketing thought leaders are rethinking their business strategies to thrive in a world of radical change. Hi, my name is Mike Smart and welcome to Go to Market Disrupted. Today I'm here with a special colleague, a former partner in the business, and a friend, Jesse Lujan. Jesse is the Vice President of Product at Ascend, which is a leading provider of accounts payable automation solutions for medium and large sized businesses. Jesse has an impressive background in the technology industry and specifically the enterprise SaaS sector. Previously, Jesse has had experience as a scientist in an immunology role and a therapeutic role. He transitioned into enterprise software while working as a product consultant at Egress Solutions. He now serves as the product leader or has served as the product leader at Ascend for over two years. I'm really pleased to have Jesse here with me today. Jesse, welcome. Thank you for joining. Thanks, Mike. I'm really excited to be here. You know, I gave a thumbnail of your background, kind of put it in a in a 30-second sort of pitch. But I think what people really want to hear when, when guests come on is kind of how did you get here? What's the path look like? Um, they want to know because they're trying to obviously figure out some of those things for themselves. And I think you have a rich blend of different backgrounds that put you in this space. Would you mind sharing it? Yeah, sure. You know, I think I think product management is one of those fields where you can really come from anywhere. And I've met product managers who are musicians. I've met product managers who have, you know, come from from obviously the traditional routes development or, or the business end. I, I come from science. I spent my my first you know ten years or so in in on on the bench being a scientist. So I think every every product manager comes with like a unique background, and so that's kind of the fun element of product management. Let me let me dig into that a little bit. Yeah, sure. Because I, we all bring things with us, right? Yeah. So you spent ten years on the bench. Yeah. doing experiments, writing papers, yeah. Yeah. crunching massive numbers. Yeah. What came out of that that you actually use to apply today in your role? If you want to be super general, uh, the scientific method, you know, having okay. a hypothesis, testing it, r- running, you know, small scale tests to see what works and then expanding right. upon that. I think right. that's product management, bread and butter. It's also product development in, in, in a science-based role. So it, there's, a, there's a good alignment there. I don't want to put words in mouth, but I got to believe objectivity is another big thing, right? Of course, like absolutely. Yeah. Making data-driven decisions is, yeah. is the most important thing of, of being a product manager. You know, you've come through an interesting path, scientist. Then you came and worked with me for here for, what, three years? Yeah, I think it's three years. Three years. You learned the business sort of from a, a different angle. Yeah. You've had a perspective to work with multiple different types of technology companies. You yeah. work at a single vendor. If you backed up a little bit and looked at a long view, what do you see that's changing or shifting in product management, product management role generally, or even specifically to what you've experienced in the last three or four years? Yeah, I think I think product management in general has, has evolved pretty significantly in the last couple of years. I am thinking of, of, of go-to-market specifically. There's like there's, I think there's major areas of changes. You know, f- I think focusing on customers is is one. Ma- making 
not not specifically on on features or functionalities, focusing on the problems. As I mentioned, making making those data driven product decisions, I think is important. And and I just, I'd also say focusing on outcomes the product generates, not not the functionality or or not that that button that customers want. What color? Whatever color it's going to be. Whatever color it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. And as you stand back, you've got a team now of five, six more. Yes, six. Yeah. Six. How do you work with them in terms of making sure they're doing the right things with those shift in mind? What do you what do you what do you ask of them? Yeah. What do you, what do you hold them accountable for? What do I let's talk about data driven decisions. You know, I think we need to re- rely on on ad- analytics to to make those product decisions and and to validate those 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 market strategies. And I think that every PM team either needs their own data scientists or or collectively have a data scientist mindset to to track like product performance and and customer behavior and and market trends and, and the data should allow PM teams to to make informed decisions about how to optimize their products and 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 those go to market efforts so that's that's the general i would say rule Again, I mentioned customer centricity. It's it's super important in the product, you know, in the product space. I think we need to understand the needs and the behaviors of the target audience, and and I think it's super important that that we that we continue to make that that the center of the universe. When you, I'm interested, I mean, I could go a lot of different directions. And I think one that I want to try and understand a little bit about is composition of your team today? What's it look like? Mm-hmm. Do you have a data scientist on your team? I, I don't have a data science uh, scientist. I would love a data scientist, especially I'm, I'm working with, you know, machine learning outcomes. I'm focused on recognition of specific things. I'm focused on ensuring that my customers are gener- that we're fo- generating, you know, clear outcomes for our customers. When we look at the data, first of all, we have data. That's a, something that's super important. You have to build a product that 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 generates data for you uh, or 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 you know add something to the product that generates data for you in in order to make those decisions so that seems to me today that somebody who has a SaaS offering and hasn't figured it out has had a major miss right absolutely yeah absolutely like i i i come from a on-prem to a cloud v1 to a single source multi-tenant product Mm -hmm. anything prior to a multi-tenant product it's really, really hard to get data right. from from a customer's at, at an aggregate. You can mm-hmm. probably get it individually. You can you can you know go in there into each in each database and try to figure out certain solutions for specific customers, but you can't scale that. And it's not a it's not efficient or reliable, I would think, because the implementations are going to run the gamut, right? Absolutely. So, so yeah. To your point about not being able to aggregate. Yeah. Yeah. Anything anything before a, a, a multi tenant product, you're you you run into the the problem of customization and and things not being exactly where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Question of you mentioned go to market and the customer centricity. I'm just come back and kind of get a sense and maybe share a perspective generally about how things work in your environment or as specific as you feel comfortable getting. People say go to market and it means a lot of things, right? I call that a big tent with a lot of stuff that people jam into it. From your point of view, from where you sit at Ascend, what does go to market mean inside the, the organization that you work with? It real to me, it's a it's an overall effort to position your product in a new space. 
And it's not necessarily a, a product launch. It's not necessarily a major feature launch. It could be a brand new market that you're trying to attract. It could be, a, in my example, and where I'm at, like it could be a new new ERP that that you're going to. And it's a collective company effort mm. that you need to have in order to be successful in putting this product in this new space. Mm-hmm. And so when you say collective company effort, you're talking about obviously product management being involved. Who else plays a critical role in it? Sales, marketing, customer success, if depending on, on, on the organization. To some degree, development, if it's, a, if it's an ongoing drive to, to, to bring a product to an, a, a new space. I, but I would say that the three areas are, are marketing, sales, and, and product. Is there a natural structure that you have to do that inside your company or that you've seen somewhere else? How does it work? I think it works differently in every company. Okay. I, I think that's the overall answer. That's probably I, fair. Yes. I, I think I think it's it's a lot of people probably think of it as a sales driven strategy, and and that's that's kind of an old way of thinking. I, I think it's something that that should largely be driven as a collective effort, not not mm-hmm. as an individual team effort. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree with you that that there are lots of companies out there that still define that go-to-market activity is, I call it a sales-driven motion or sales-driven approach. Mm-hmm. But given the dynamics that are going on, mainly customer centricity moves that you're talking about, it has to include more people. Yeah. And to be honest with you, as I, I do these interviews, I always touch on this and probe on it because I'm interested in seeing, and it is different everywhere, I'm interested in seeing if there are any common things that come out. So some people say that no, it's primarily still sales-driven here, or we've seen in the last X number of years or months or whatever it is, an emergence of a new role, or we have gotten important about doing more collaboration and we've gotten some some real good practice about doing that. I'm, and I, I'm just tapping into that to see if you're you're seeing a shift in your organization, or maybe the, the way your company has been set up culturally, it's always been a collaborative, you know, all-in kind of effort. This is This is maybe an outlier that I'm going to share, but I don't think it matters who, who leads the go-to-market. Mm-hmm. I think what matters is that product management and sales are as aligned as possible in, in this effort. So aligned, and by that, I mean, they both agree to how to position a product. And something I think is super important, how to collectively measure the product success. When you think about this alignment you talked about, I will ask the question, are you talking about goal alignment, OKR alignment, or more than that, or maybe a little bit less than that? When you talk about sales and product management being tightly aligned on this. Yeah, I think I think alignment comes from uh, upfront, the positioning of, of the product, like both mm-hmm. both. Both teams need to agree that, you know, are we are we the value-based product? Are we the highly customizable product? Are you the product that's focused on enterprise customers? So understanding that positioning and then also understanding like the target audience, like who exactly the persona is that you're trying to attract. So that's that's in the front. On the back end, I also think it's super important that the that the sales team and the product team collectively measure their success together. Well, whatever okay. KPI it is that they're using, it should both teams should agree upon. <laughs> Agree. What's you're saying they should agree on what's important, not right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're in an interesting space right now in our space. There's a lot of uncertainty. It's a lot of things flying around. I'm curious to understand 
when you look at your role and you look at where things are, if you've had seen changes or shifts in prioritization of how you look at what's important, what's not, what's shifting, what's not. I had somebody explain it to me that in this environment, I want to be selling painkillers, not vitamins. I mean, I thought that was kind of funny, but it, but it, it resonates, right? And just yeah. curious to understand how how that how that sort of dynamic we're dealing with right now in the space where the the, the, the macro factors are, are, are leaning in on us, all of us, if it changes how you look at doing the product management role, how you do look at doing the go-to-market activity, anything like that at all. I, I do like the idea of selling painkillers. I don't know how else to say that more effectively than what you just said. Ultimately, customers are focused on solving their problem and not necessarily what your product does or, or is capable of doing, what, what features it has, what functionality it has. They want problems to go away. And I think the, the products that focus on the customer's outcomes are the ones that, and, and you can convince the customer that your product is the one that solves that problem. That, I think that's the, the, the product that, that is the most likely to, to, to win. When you look at our sector, I'm going to ask you to kind of tell me a little bit, maybe what do you, what do you see that's coming? What's, what's, if you're using your crystal ball, you're looking at a few years, what, what do you see changing? What, 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 what are the things on the horizon that you think are absolutely going to be different in a not too distant future, whether that's three years or five years? I think there's a huge shift in like how buyers buy and how, how we have to engage with them. And I think it's mostly driven by technological advancements, mm -hmm. changes in, in general consumer expectations, and simply like there's just more information out there. So, you know, Google is everyone's friend, but now it's not, not just Google, it's, it's also YouTube. And, and right. if you're in the B2C world, you're, it's social media. And, and so these, these changes ha just have a significant impact in, in the PM role. Buyers are kind of expecting a seamless and, and multi-channel experience. And I, I think in the past, like companies who like worked in like the B2B space, like where I'm in, they didn't think about making a streamlined and easy to use experience with like a, a beautiful UI that, that didn't matter in the past. It matters now. Now, if you, if you're an enterprise it's, product, it's a deal breaker, right? Absolutely. absolutely if, a deal breaker. Yeah. If your product isn't in an application that's, that's accessible anywhere in the world through a browser and maybe a VPN, it's really hard to be competitive. You mentioned, you know, that things are changing because buyers preferences are changing. When you look at some of the and I don't mean to use a term, I won't use that term hype. I just said it, but sure. I'll dismiss it. <laughs> but you look at some of the initiatives that are coming into play, and I'll throw one out at you, product-led growth. Yeah. What, what, what's your take on how that impacts? And I'm really interested in how, not generally how it impacts the industry. I think it's a lot of people, but how, are there elements of that you say, and you sit with your team and say, these are things, practices, methods that we have to adopt, or these are things we're going to sit back and watch and see what happens. Or you know what? We're past all of that. We're implementing. I mean, where do you sit on that kind of initiative? So I'm pro product-led growth. Okay. I think it's a good general shift in, in how we think about producing products and how the product, the product, not product management, leads the organization. So, and I think it ultimately comes down to like, emphasis on, 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 you know, customers, personalized experiences on, 
on focusing on value over price and and you know conversely like the need for like real-time customer feedback that isn't typically present in previous products and you alluded to some things earlier like the customer experience which obviously includes ux Yep. The term that the PLG guys love to use is frictionless interaction mm-hmm. with the product, frictionless engagement. Are you are you doing things generally? I don't need to know the details. I'm not under non-disclosure with you. Are you sure. doing things generally to sort of shift in that direction? And how uh, how aggressive are you being about it? I'm incredibly aggressive in building the, the right UI for the right persona. Okay. So, ensuring that not not only does the product solve the problem but solves it in a way that the customer finds like pleasing is mm-hmm. is super important because it's a user can always uh, may not be the buyer may not be the decision maker to say yes but they can always say no they can always say i cannot use this to do my job and so ensuring that that barrier is 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 dropped it's not it's not part of the conversation because it's a seamless experience, because it's a be- it's a beautiful UI, it gives you the information that that particular user needs. That's that's what's important, and that's that's what helps. Egress Solutions is a high-touch product growth and market success consultancy. Since 2009, Egress Solutions has had successful engagements with the top technology organizations, delivering insights into buyer preferences, product market fit, product management, and go-to market excellence. Egress Solutions accelerates top-line growth and market success for our clients. Go to www.egresssolutions.net to learn more. Do you think that shifts the burden over to product managers that either previously would have belonged to another organization? I, I, the one I think about immediately is you're kind of stealing cycles from professional services, right? That's one, which is not mm-hmm. a, a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a shift. We don't want them to, to customize the solution sure. anymore. Yeah. So do you think that sort of takes the burden off of them and puts it on the, the product team more? Oh, without question. And, and, but it's, it's, it's a good investment. I mean, you're, you're talking about focusing and, you know, I'm in the SaaS world. So you, you're focused on, on ARR dollar for dollar. ARR is way more important than professional service dollars. So absolutely that, that, that shifts the focus, but the, the R and D cost is, is higher upfront. The, the overall initial investment of, 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 of your, your, your capital needs, needs to uh, needs to flow through through R&D development and product. Different risk profile because Absolutely. we're charging customers to customize it and we're taking a hit if we get it wrong on Absolutely. The the alternative or I guess the the, the outcome from that is is you're actually scalable, you know? Yes. And decreasing your customized customizability may may limit your market, but you're also ensuring that uh, your product is 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 easy to to set up. Uh, your 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 onboarding is much shorter, so your time to value is much shorter. It's just a it's less of a headache if you do it right. <laughs> yeah, and and it, it, it with embedded in what you just said in terms of time to value and those kinds of things, realizing value, and you're actually investing in keeping the future value of your value proposition. I know I use that word value a lot in that sentence. But the future value of the value proposition becomes the driver there, as opposed to we build a system for company X and -hmm. only company X can use it. And they're forever medium level satisfied because they're never going to be optimally satisfied. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, there, there's conversely, like if, if you're a product that's heavily focused on, on customization, you, you might be a little more sticky in the front end or, and it might, it might be a little harder to, to find an alternative. You know, it's, it's just two different strategies. I think if you build a product the right way and you focus on, you know, three or four specific measurements of, of value uh, and your, your, your persona's the right one and then your target market's the right one, I, you, you shouldn't have a problem. And if you're not operating, as you said, in the old fashioned way, which is a sales led motion, there should be alignment around that for everybody, right? I mean, Absolutely. everybody inside of the organization should kind of buy into this view that we're building a better product for a long-term view as, for a long term, to, yeah, absolutely. as opposed to trying to make the number, whatever that number is happen yep. in six months or a year, whatever it is. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's a different, it's a different vision, a different North star, if you will. Absolutely. Like, and I, I think there, I think sales also, the sale sales also appreciates the, the shift. I think it's easier to sell. Um, exactly. if, if you align the, the product and team and, and the sales team to, to, to the right solution. I mean, you still have to, the work between product and sales has to be a little more strategic, specifically when it comes to go to market than, than ever before. But you, you, you still have to have your, your basic tactical work, the, the bread and butter, you know, providing sales enablement material, you know, co- collaborating on customer feedback. Right. And, right you know, communicating the product roadmap, that, that, that's all important, but that's, that's, that's much more tactical. The, the strategic upfront cost of aligning sales and product, I think is, is, a, is a better driver for, for value. So I have, a, I have kind of a, a devilish question for you. Since you've appointed to this role, yeah. I'm going to ask you sort of, because you brought it up a couple of times, sales and product management alignment. Yeah. Not always a natural and easy thing to do. So not what always advice, a natural and easy what thing techniques to do. and what methods do you would you offer to the listeners to say, hey guys, it's it's here's here's the best practice I've come up with to make it work for me. If I, can you share some of that with us? I always start on the back end. Like, how do you measure success? How does sales measure success and how does product measure success? They have to be the same. I mean, okay. they, they may come from a different lens, like one can be from, you know, a revenue standpoint, one from, can come from a customer satisfaction or, or stickiness or, you know, ins- ensuring that there's there's little churn. But it all has to come from ensuring that 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 specific measure of performance is 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 the same. So that's on the back end. On the front end, you know, ensuring that we're and this is this may be very basic, but I've, I've I mean, you and I have encountered this in the past. The product team and the sales team must understand who the right user is and who the right buyer is. And those are two very different things uh, that that they have to understand and, 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 and agree upon. So you hit on something on the front end, which I want to come back and just kind of poke at a little bit. Does that mean that product management signs up for a number, a hard number, or is it more an intention inside the organization? What do you think works best? What do you think, what are your experiences if you have any? Yeah. I, you know, I think, I think it's, if if you're saying like, should, should product be focused on a specific revenue number? I would say, I would say no, but I would also say that they are a hundred percent responsible for churn. So if, if, if the, 
And and so because product is is so focused on ensuring nobody churns, the alignment between like who your target audience is 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 critical. Because if if you give sales the product and just say have fun, they they may go to six seven. They'll be verticals. selling. Who's They'll be selling. Yeah. To sign up. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Regardless of whether they stick around for Absolutely. a cycle or not. Yeah. So, so having the the right audience and 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 both agreeing that we thou shalt focus on this specific market is 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 the only way that's successful. I, I think that's a smart attack or smart approach, because more and more salespeople and this role of ARR and SaaS are not being compensated on the front end. They're being compensated for the lifetime, some percentage of the lifetime yep. value of the yep. customer. No, ACV, and, and so the alignment gets pretty tight because yep. I just sold this. I'm not making that much in commissions year one, but year mm -hmm. two and year three is where I mm -hmm. see the annuity come back for this. Jesse, please yep. make sure churn stays at 0.01%. Yep. Yep. That's, that's clear. On the other side, you said on the front end, you talked about making sure that who I'm selling to is who you're building the product for. Share with us thoughts about how to make sure, because that can change, right? From quarter to quarter, from year to year, sales antenna will, they're seeking out, they're heat seeking missiles, man. They go out and look for the deal and they may easily forget what yeah. you told them in the training class last year. And so how do you, what do you do to make sure they're not veering off course? I don't think and that- more important, And equally important, how do you take their input and say, hey, we're trying to sell to these people yep. But they're not having it. That's so that's let's talk about yeah, that. That that you hit the nail on the head. I I think that I think the sales team will always find avenues to sell, and and that's that's absolutely fantastic. The more information you give that the sales team gives to the product team, the earlier the possible as possible the the higher chance that product could can eventually build to exactly the specific persona that they're trying to, to, to go out and attack, specific market that they're going trying to attack. I, I don't believe that a product should be in a static uh, for static persona or static vertical. Up front, initially, when you build a product, you I think you have to be laser focused. But as, as the product matures, you have to ensure that you're getting feedback from everywhere. And sales is one of the best places to get that feedback. I hope you're going to say, or I'm not putting word, yeah, I am putting word to you, <laughs> that that's not the only source of marketing. No, absolutely not. No, no. I think if anything, it's product's job to, you know, we're a hub for the information. We're not, we're, we're, we don't come up with the ideas. I don't, I don't think it's product's job to come up with, with, aha, I have an, I have a, I have a clear thing to build. I have a brilliant uh, idea. I have a brilliant idea. Uh, and if you do, that's great. Go test it yeah. and figure it yeah. out. But, but it's, it's not that I'm going to add it to the roadmap and we're going to build this out. Every idea needs to be backed up with, with data. And that data comes from multiple sources. You know, your, your, your specific customers, your customer, your customers within the application itself, probably the best place I, I would say, because they have that burning need at that moment in time while they're using your product. But there's also brand new new customers who have never used your, your product and they have problems too. And if you see a big chunk of a new target audience with very similar problems, gathering those from, from your sales team, gathering those, you know, you doing your research and going to the market to find those problems, that's, uh, that's super critical too. Does, does Ascent have a, a role called product marketing? Is that something that basically exists inside the company? No, uh, product marketing does not exist, but we have a 
prod, uh, we have a marketing uh, person who's great at product. <laughs> okay, I, I, I was going to ask you answer. It's partially answer the question because it sounds like then your team has to move over to do a lot of then supporting and lifting around getting the product slash solution ready to quote unquote go to market. Sales yeah. enablement, sales readiness sounds like it's a big part of your team's job. Yeah, and but that's that's the. That's that's just part of of the go to market strategy, you know, the having sure. having having that enablement for for the teams, and it's not just you know sales enablement; it's customer customer management enablement, customer success enablement. You know, new customers uh, are, are one thing; current customers also need answers. Right, right. No, that's true. You've got a team that has a big job. That's 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 a lot to take on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't keep a straight face on that. Jesse, I'm curious, when you think about people that inspire you in this space, and it doesn't have to be in this space, it's anywhere, to sort of get ideas from, or you read them, or you listen to them, or whatever, and yeah. you say, I'm going to take that, and I'm going to use it, or I'm going to try it. Who Are there any specific individuals you think of that you'd say, hey, this person really provides an avenue for me to do X, or is it a type of person, a type of group of people? I, I'm just curious, who do you look to for inspiration is probably the shortest way to ask that question. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, the, the two that come to mind is, I, I, I'm sure everybody knows this, Marty Kagan, who wrote both Inspired and Empowered. One is focused on building the right product, the other one's focused on building the right product team. So great, great thought leader in, in the product space. Todd Olson's another one that comes to mind. And I, I would think of, of of him as kind of one of the the founders of of like that this thought process around product led growth and and focusing on on product leading the organization. Can I say Mike Smart too? Because Mike Smart is one of the oh, the, the people that I think <laughs> taught me all my chops. So I, I appreciate you, Mike. Thank it's, you for that. It's been it's been truly phenomenal. Like the what I've learned uh, in the the years that I've, I've been with you. I also think it's not just people though. I also think it's, it's, it's resources that, that drive inspiration and, and, and just overall product strategy. There's more information out there than ever before. And I think that, the, and it's easy, easy, very easy to access, uh, both within your own product, within your own application and, and within, you know, the overall interwebs. So that, that is almost, as important as a specific framework or, or a rubric that you're trying to work with. So, so here's a spin on that. Yeah. You're right. Lots of information. We can spend, and most of us do, spend hours, yeah. <laughs> hours on the web. And I mean, even job-related hours on the web. Do you feel that it's easier to parse this and separate it? Or is that an, another skill that people have to kind of figure out how to, how to sift through all of this stuff and make sense of it. Yeah. I think the signal to noise ratio has been at its, is it highest or lowest than ever before? It's, it's geometric. It's not exponential. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think, I think if you, uh, you do need a specific knack for it, accessing the right information um, and, you know, not focusing on, on trends and seeing what, what ultimately is, is true value. That's, I think that takes, I think that just takes experience and, and, and consistency 
And I think that said information uh, is useful. Last question, speaking of trends. Yeah. Look out in your crystal ball. Tell me, what do you see? What things do you see that are potentially going to change the way we do this work and run this business that we're in? Do you see anything out there on the horizon? And if you don't, that's okay. But I'm just curious. I think I, I alluded to some of it. The, the focus on, on the experience of the customer is, is I think, a, a super important thing that, you know, right now I would, I would rather have someone who understands how the, a user uses the product, you know, a UI UX expert. I would rather have someone in my team that does that over another product manager, okay. simply because it's, it, it's another lens to, to look at a problem for one. And they, they keep you honest, you know, they make sure that whatever it is that you're trying to build out, not only meets the expectations of the solution, but it's a way that's intuitive for the user. I see that as the goalie for your churn objective. Yeah, right? that's, a, that's a good that, way of putting it. That, that they are there to stop people from churning. And, and I yeah. think if you have somebody that does that and it's their day job and their night job, yeah. you probably have a much higher probability of keeping that part of your agreement with the company going. Yeah, yeah. I think product managers have to embrace new technologies. Um, okay, I such think as? Alt, well, being from a company and a product that's focused on machine learning and AI, that is one of the focuses uh, that I think product managers need to spend uh, time on, regardless of whether your product is has any ML or, or AI in it, you have to be at, not an expert, but at least know where you can leverage it. Um, even if it's not in the product, it could be in your process. Do you see that technology replacing some of what or a lot of what product managers do? Yes, uh, to, really? to some degree, yes. Well, please, please, please share more. You, I think you'll always always need a product manager to make decisions to some degree, but I think that the, the decisions presented to you will be a lot easier through technology. And, and I think the, the applications and the, the, the ways that your, the feedback that's coming into, uh, from your customers and the, the, the data that's coming in from your product, as, as that improves uh, and, and you, you know, you add an application that shows specific trends of how your product is, is how your customers and users are using your product, that all just improves over time. So it's, it's less of you actually opening up a spreadsheet and trying to figure out exactly how many users push this button. All of that's all readily available to you now. So, and, and I would even say probably even more complex iterations on it that mentally we're not capable of even Right, right, right. Seeing, seeing outliers and, and, and seeing uh, these trends that, uh, that I don't think humans are, are really good at, um, robots are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesse, on that note, I want to say thank you for joining. It's been a pleasure. Always good to talk to you about this stuff. It's always fun and it always has a little spice to it. Yeah, Mike, Mike, thank you so much. This is great. I appreciate you too. Had a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Egress Solutions, head on over to www.egresssolutions.net.